Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. Well, this is a very different kind of catechism class. We're going to digress just to look at a rather difficult passage of Scripture. The Catechist has been teaching us about how we are made right with God through Christ, through faith alone. But where does that faith come from? Well, not from within us. But when the Holy Spirit begins his regenerating work within us, and we hear the word of God, the gospel, those God-given events create in us the faith we need to accept God's free gift of salvation. And the sacraments confirm and reassure us in our faith. But the sacraments don't save us. Look at First Peter 3 verse 21 to 22, because this is the problem verse that we're going to be looking at today. So get your Bible out, pause the recording, and look at First Peter 3 21 to 22. And then when you've read it, switch the recording on again. 1 Peter 3 and 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers, having been subjected to him. Now let's be absolutely clear about what Peter is saying here. Let's not fudge the issue in any way. He's making a very definite statement. He says, baptism saves us. Baptism now saves you. Now, we may not like that, and we may wish that Peter hadn't written it, but we certainly haven't got the right to try and water down what he's saying, or disregard it or deny it. Peter is an apostle who wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and his words here are part of Holy Scripture, every bit as inspired as the Gospels. So we accept that what Peter is saying is true. Baptism saves us. Now, let's ask a perfectly legitimate question. How does baptism save us? You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. Let's look closely at the verse and see, first of all, how baptism does not save us. We've got a good reason for doing this because Peter, as soon as he tells us that baptism saves us, he qualifies that by saying, not as a removal of dirt from the body. So the first thing we have to learn is that baptism does not save us by the outward act. It's not the actual washing with water 
that saves us. It must be something else about baptism that saves. But bringing a baby to the front of a church and sprinkling water on the baby, or bringing an adult to the front of the church and placing that person in a deep baptistry full of lukewarm water and leaving him or her soaking wet, does not save them. So Peter, as soon as he says baptism saves us, he adds, but it's not with the physical application of water upon the body. Let's pause there and look briefly at some baptismal errors, arising from this misplaced notion that the outward act of baptism has some spiritual effect. Errors that we might encounter nowadays. The first of those is that baptism as an act of obedience cannot save us. There's a denomination called the Church of Christ, and they believe that baptism by immersion is essential for salvation. They are extreme Pelagians, people who believe that Christ's death on the cross is not enough to save you, that you must contribute to your salvation by active belief and obedience. You must repent, you must obey, you must be baptised in order to be saved. It's about what you must do. And they say that openly on their website. They say that there are two parts to salvation. That there is God's part and that there is your part. And of course, if you stop being perfectly obedient, then you're lost forever. Oh, what a heavy legalistic burden that is. Baptism as an act of obedience does not save us. Baptism does not save us automatically. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states, and I quote, By baptism all sins are forgiven, original sin and all personal sins, as well as all punishment for sin. In those who have been reborn, nothing remains that would impede their entry into the kingdom of God. Neither Adam's sin nor personal sin, nor the consequences of sin, the gravest of which is separation from God. Now that's some power in water right there, is it not? Catholic baptism is decreed to be a saving ordinance simply by the fact that it has happened, without the need for any faith on the part of the recipient. It works on its own. In Latin, that's called ex opere operatum. The work works. Catholics and Lutherans also love this verse in First Peter. They quote it frequently and they quote it with much enthusiasm. They say something like, baptism now saves you. So when you are baptized as a baby in both churches, you're brought into the kingdom of God. Your sins are washed away. You are a Christian. You are, they say, reborn, born again. We know that Catholic doctrine there is greatly in error. But there is a problem with the Lutheran view of Peter's verse as well. They omit or they neglect that embarrassing little phrase included in Peter's words, which says baptism, which corresponds to this, saves you. That phrase modifies the word baptism or washing and firmly roots it in the context of a sacrament being a sign and a seal. It is baptism which corresponds to something else. The authorised version says baptism is the like figure of something else. The Amplified Bible helps us. 
corresponding to that rescue through the flood, baptism, which is an expression of a believer's new life in Christ, now saves you, not by removing dirt from the body. We look more at what baptism corresponds to in a few minutes. Let's stick with these baptismal errors for a moment. Baptism as a tradition does not save us. We've talked about Roman Catholic and Lutheran baptisms, but let's be fair here, there are many people in Protestant circles who will simply want to get the baby done. Not because they're born-again believers, not because they have any credible profession of faith, but because they think it is the right thing to do. Or because their parents did it before them. Or because it's a family tradition. Or because they want to get the christening gown out. Or perhaps to have the baby dressed in this traditional garment and have nice photographs and have a family meal afterwards. Or to get the ritual done in a a particular well-known church. In one church where I was preparing for a baptism service, I'd gone down early and I'd filled the receptacle with water from the tap. And just as I was doing that, a very nice lady came over to me and asked me what I was doing. I thought it wasn't too hard. I'm putting water in a font. Oh, no, you don't use that kind of water. We have special water for baptisms. We have water that came straight from the River Jordan. I advised her to pour it down the toilet. That's just tradition and superstition. And it's as bad as the Catholic belief in ex opere operatum. Baptism as a tradition does not save us. Baptism doesn't save us by virtue of our good intentions. Again, the Roman Catholic Church are on this. They teach that the efficacy of baptism depends on the intention of the person who is administering it. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church states the ordinary ministers of baptism are the bishop and the priest, and in the Latin Church also the deacon. In the case of necessity, anyone, even a non-baptized person, with the required intention can baptize by using the Trinitarian baptismal formula. The intention required is to will to do what the church does when she baptizes. The church finds the reason for this possibility in the universal saving will of God and the necessity of baptism for salvation. So the Catholic Church. And yet Peter in this verse is clearly teaching us that none of these outward acts, the mere application of water, can save us or wash away our sins or make us in any way acceptable to God. Okay, let's get back to Peter's words and ask, how does baptism save us? Peter writes this, as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Now let me try and explain that to you. Earlier in the passage, just in the preceding verse actually, Peter has been writing about the events of the great flood back in the days of Noah. In verse 20 he wrote, once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. 
a high was Noah saved by water. In Noah's time, the water was a sign pointing to the wrath of God. It was a flood sent to convince sinners of their sin and to drive them to the Lord. In the same way, baptism points us to Jesus. The physical outward act of baptism and communion both work on our conscience. The sacraments point us to Christ, convict us of sin, and remind us that there is a saviour from that sin. And Peter explains that for us, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter describes the correspondence, the similarity between the water of the flood and the water of baptism. It wasn't the flood water that saved Noah. It was the Lord. He was in the ark. The water's job was simply to point Noah to the ark, to cause him to flee into the protection and safety that God had provided. In that sense, baptism is a sign, pointing us to the wrath of God upon sin. At a service of baptism, we should actually remember that God is so angry with our sinful rebellion that he will pour judgment out upon the earth. He was so angry with our sinful rebellion that he gave us his own Son to be our Saviour. That water at the flood was the result of the judgment of God upon the sin of men, upon their disobedience and their rejection of the gospel. They refused to enter the ark, God's prepared way of salvation for them. And so the waters came, and all of them were lost, and all of their sins were swept away from before the face of God as the floods overwhelmed them. What happened at Calvary? All of our sins were laid upon Christ as a great flood. Psalm 69, a psalm with a deeply messianic tone, reads like this. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me being my enemies wrongfully, though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. In baptism, we're reminded of the awfulness of Calvary. The water certainly concentrated the mind of Noah and his family, for it brought them to trust in the God who had made him the ark, provided him a way of salvation, and brought him through the flood. The flood condemned, but the flood also saved. It saved Noah, in that the very threat of it forced him to consider his perilous position before God and run to the Lord and flee into the ark, prepared for his rescue and his safety. But also baptism is sign pointing us to our cleansing from sin in Christ. Just as surely as the waters wash us outwardly, so Christ has washed away our sins. And that's what Peter is getting at here. When we think of baptism, both our baptism and 
when we witness the baptism of others, we are reminded that Christ in his death and his resurrection has washed away all of our sins in his own blood on the cross and given us new life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And baptism is only effective in reinforcing the gospel message because Jesus is risen. Baptism alone would be a worthless thing. It would be a temporary Ritual cleansing of the outward man, like the ritual cleansing of the Jews. But our salvation is made effective because we have a risen living Saviour who is able to save. Let's look at another part of the Catechism. Question 69. How does holy baptism signify and seal to you? that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you. In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing, and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is all my sins. The outward act of washing does not save you. But what it points us to and signifies saves us. Let me try an illustration. When you listen to a gospel sermon, the sermon itself can't save you. It's the Holy Spirit who takes the word of God and applies it to your conscience so that the word becomes effective in your life and you respond to that prompting of the Holy Spirit by repenting of your sins and trusting Christ. And you're saved then by the preaching of the Word. It's not the preacher or the sermon that saves you, it's Christ who saves you. But the preaching of the Word is an instrument set in place by God to make His salvation effective within you. We have no trouble believing that. Here's the text. James 1 and 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Let me put that in the ESV for you. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now the sacraments, baptism, communion, they have exactly the same function. The Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and he strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. These sacraments strengthen faith within us by pointing us to Jesus who died on the cross to take the wrath of God for all of our sins to pay the debt that we owed, to give us forgiveness and cleansing and new life. So the sacraments are not about me or you. The sacraments alone are not able to save. The sacraments point us to Christ, 
who saves us by grace through faith alone. So we agree with Peter, who said baptism, which corresponds to how the water saved Noah, now saves you, not by removing the dirt from your body in an outward act of application of water, but as an act which works upon the conscience and points us to the risen Saviour. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.